On this week's episode of Collector's Corner, we talk about the Criterion Collection Blu-ray of the 1985 film The Breakfast Club by director John Hughes. Do you have a film that you remember that you watched so much that you broke the tape? I don't think I have one that I broke the actual tape, but like I do have distinct memories of like switching out tapes for long films. Sound of Music. I used to always yeah. have to do that, yeah. I always had to switch the tape or flip it. No, no, no the flipping was DVD. Switching to a different VHS tape. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I think Titanic was the first, and then for some reason I think I remember watching The Core several times over on vhs <laughs> so wow yeah i've seen that movie one too many times i think I, th- I think for me it's definitely the it vhs the original miniseries because i used to watch that multiple times a day as a kid like i would be so bored and i would just watch it whenever i was sick got to a point where i did have to fix the tape a little bit because it would come out and i'd have to wind it back up again and make sure that nothing bad happened I bought a bunch at Goodwill a while back because I was gonna like do something with all the, like the cover art, like the cases. I wanted to build or like put together some sort of like collage and frame it or something. Never did it though, but I had an idea to do that. Thought that'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. It is a cool boxes idea. and folded them in. Yeah, those I kind of got like Green Mile, Jurassic Park, Titanic, like a whole bunch of different ones, and then just never went through with the idea. Thought it'd be cool though. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10. That's right, episode 10 of Those Movie Dudes present Collector's Corner. <sighs> um, our weekly uh, show where we do a deep dive into our physical media collections. And when I say deep dive, I climb. I climb to the very top. Like the ceiling? Very top. No, like you know those Olympic diving boards? Ceiling, on the roof. I get on the roof. Holy shit. And I just put my arms out and I just fall backwards and whichever one breaks my neck, that's the movie we're watching. And, uh, thankfully this week was a good week because, uh, we went to me to pick this week and I figured, you know, let's make it an easy week. I went with one of my favorite movies of all time, the criterion collection edition of the 1985 coming of age classic by John Hughes the breakfast club a brain a beauty a jock a rebel and a recluse can't believe this is really happening to me before this day is over they'll break the rules (coughs) chicks can i hold a smoke that's what it is bare their souls i'm a nymphomaniac are your parents aware of this take some chances and touch each other in a way they never dreamed possible 
Well, if you guys are cinephiles like us, then you've heard of The Breakfast Club. I had never, or up until a few years back, never saw this movie. And I don't know how that was even possible, because this movie's everywhere in pop culture. You see animated shows reference it, all these famous moments, and it's got one of the best ensemble casts of any movie I've ever watched. And they're all like 20 years old and younger. But it's basically about five teenagers who uh, meet in Saturday detention and they discover they have a lot more in common than they thought. I picked it because I love this movie and I really wanted to talk about it with you guys. Um, So, Jonathan, going into this movie, had you seen it before? Had you not seen it before? What was your your first take? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it before. It'd been a while, though. Like, it'd probably been... I mean, probably since high school, honestly. I don't think we ever got together, sat down and watched it in college or anything, but... I just always remember just really, really enjoying it. It's kind of that quintessential 80s John Hughes high school movie with these just five complete polar opposites that are forced to kind of just form this camaraderie against Mr. Vernon and uh, work together and just learn from each other. And I just think it's such a relatable film where it just it explores these stereotypes in a very intelligent way. Um, it's always been very enjoyable, funny. They, it really breaks down these characters in a very elaborate way when they actually get down and have these conversations together. So yeah, it's it's always been a very enjoyable 80s film uh, that I'm glad we uh, got to revisit. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad you're positive today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually, well, yeah, you know. But but Spencer, you, you, yes. you've dabbled in Breakfast Club before. Uh, what were your thoughts this time around? Absolutely. And I first watched this when I was in middle school. So it's been on I and I've rewatched it. I think this was my fifth time watching it again uh, this week. I've seen it so many times. I've seen it on and off throughout the years. Nate, you and I have watched it in college. We watched your Criterion edition of it one night. It's just like John said, it's the quintessential 80s high school movie with John Hughes writing and directing with like the all star cast who were unknown at the time. But we obviously have like, kind of grown up and watched their films. And it's just their writing is amazing the the scenes like the movie's really weird like it goes to really bizarre places and every time it does it it makes it so unique it's it's how it's like held to this like cult classic status for so long um because it just it, it took risks and it just put all these characters made them so interesting fleshed them out and it was just it's so much fun to watch this like the quintessential coming of age film in my opinion this movie was told in such a unique way that it a lot of times with a narrative they kind of jump back and forth in storylines but this one was shot and told all in sequence and i thought that was kind of cool because one of the things they talk about is the woman who edited it edited in sequence as john hughes shot it and so they were able to kind of do it like that. And as you see their characters develop, they're developing almost in sync with the editing process. Wait, so, you said he shot the film in order? Yes. He, oh, he started, really? Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's just one of those movies where you have these five distinct characters, but they all have little quirks that just make them relatable. Like, did you guys have... Uh, an Allison character in your school that was very oh, goth, yeah. quiet, very weird. Because we had tons of them. This it is northern Maine. The stereotypes of any high school. Like you can easily yeah. 
pick somebody from your from like who you know and like apply it to like the character for sure i mean everybody like the prom queen uh the jock the nerd all that all that stuff it makes it so relatable i think that's obviously why it's so uh fun to watch and as far as like students camaraderie and stuff like that like this movie it does a good job at starting out very divided Kind of like you do see the Claire and the Andy character. They're from similar groups, but still very different. She's like the rich preppy girl and he's the jock. He's the athlete. I kind of felt it in high school a little bit because I like to be friends with everybody. I didn't have any like ill will, I guess. So this movie was really relatable on the fact that you can become friends with somebody that you would not even expect, and all it takes is one weekend or one Saturday, if that. Just get to just getting to know them as well. I mean, you can mm-hmm. judge somebody so much on the surface, then once you get to know them, it's like, oh, they actually might be friends. Uh, that's also mm-hmm. what the movie touches upon as well. It's it's so funny to me though how much principal, not the principal, the teacher, Mr. Vernon, mm-hmm. is just such a fucking dick, <laughs> and he hates the mm-hmm. kids so much. And every time I watch it, it's just so funny. He has the most ridiculous lines, too. He's like... You mess with the bull, you get the horns. That's it right there. It's so funny. Like, (laughs) why? And then he's just sitting in his office. He just slowly leans in to, like, see if they're talking. Leans back. Like, he's such a dick. (laughs) That's where it just... It becomes a little over the top for me with his character in particular. It's like, I know it's detention, but it's not like these kids killed somebody. You know, like they I mean, obviously, Judd Nelson loves to egg him on and and make it worse and worse for himself. Like, oh, that's another one. That's another one. I'll see you over the next two months. But it makes it really entertaining. I just I don't see Mr. Tilton uh, manning detention and and acting like that. You know, Spencer, I just don't I don't see that happening with the Vernon character. He just there was a moment when he he does he hands out all the detentions and it's funny because brian pops in he goes but sir that's only seven he's like (laughs) shut up peewee so even to the good kids he's kind of a dick too but when he walks out of the room and judd nelson yells fuck really loud and it's got like that rock riff the guitar riff that goes along with it you do see a little bit of sympathy coming from Vernon because he kind of closes his eyes and he's like almost like he regretted having to do that like he didn't I don't think he wanted to give this kid two months worth of detention but he had to he had to keep up his image yeah he but wants then to be you respected. just kind of see him have a sigh and just like like he didn't want to do it no, they actually do give him a moment to like, because because all the characters really do get a chance to open up. Like every single one, including him, when when the janitor finally just like sits him down, he's like, "Dude, why are you acting this way?" You know, like, and I think that that's that's just one part of this movie where you do get to kind of see the ins and outs of every character and kind of why they are the way they are, including Mister Vernon. So that's that's just something I always liked about this one. But one character that I think she steals the show in a very odd way is Ali Sheedy's character of Allison because she doesn't talk for the first half of the movie at all. All she says is, ha, (laughs) we all had a character like this. Did you guys have a character that you related to most out of these five? Like one that you could be like, yeah, that's how I'd feel in that situation. I'd probably love to hang out with Anthony Michael Hall just cause like, just, he's hilarious. He's so funny. He always has Mm -hmm. the quick one-liners uh, he's goofy. He's a nerd. Uh, he's definitely probably the one I'd get along with the most. I would say. Not Judd Nelson from Maine. 
Maybe. Probably not Judd Nelson. <laughs> I, I feel like I could take a little Judd Nelson, and then I'd be like, dude, can you just simmer down a little bit? But, yeah, I think Anthony Michael Hall. But none of these people really, I think, classify me. Like, they're the stereotypical mm-hmm. people. But I feel like I've always been kind of in between those groups uh, for me personally. But, yeah, Anthony Michael Hall as well is just... Just really funny and entertaining and down to earth type of guy. So and the then when he gets least. high, it's like the funniest part of the movie. <laughs> it's like yeah, dude. chicks can't. That's the thing about the wrong. smoke. That's and what that's it the other thing about like how weird the movie is. Like there's like a three minute sequence of Amelia Westervez just doing like backflips and cartwheels and then like screaming and breaking like the glass in the library. It makes out no, of nowhere no sense. But it's just to like celebrate just them having fucking a great time, and it's it's it works. I love the dance sequences in that in the movie because that's actually like pretty much the whole main menu of this Blu-ray as well. It's just like like Molly Ringwald dancing around and shit, like, and then this, all the guys just dancing and stuff, and it's just it's just makes it so vastly entertaining for that whole sequence of the film. Not to mention the opening is just the credits and "Don't You Forget About Me," the iconic song. Yeah, from the, 80s. the song like, is amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> And that that uh, David Bowie quote that pops up just before the intro to the movie, it's talking about how adults are, like, disciplining their kids and the kids know what they're going through. Like, you don't – they don't have to be told. They're smarter than you give them the credit for, which I guess Ali Sheedy was like, I like that quote. We should put that at the beginning. And John Hughes was like, okay. That just kind of made it in there, but it symbolizes the movie perfectly. And though, like you talking about the dance sequences, it was nice for Emilio Estevez's character to release because he's put through so much pressure from parents. And whenever they smoked or if they didn't smoke, you see everything about them. Claire tends to be stuck up again. But the thing that you notice is Judd Nelson isn't smoking. He just supplied. Yeah, oh, really? So it's almost like that. he's trying to his character's trying to kind of get control a little bit. Like, oh, if I get them baked, maybe we'll be able to work this thing out. That famous scene of them all dancing leads to one of my favorite scenes ever in this movie is when they're all talking. Mm. And Andy tells that story about why he's in there. It gets real. Like, it goes from being a little lighthearted to being kind of dark. And even the music in it is just... I couldn't I didn't know what to think when I first watched it because I was hooked. That's the scene that really breaks down the stereotypes and you get you get past the wall of like okay, she's the pretty girl, he's the jock, he's the he's the nerdy guy and uh e- even uh was it Allison? Allison the mm-hmm. the even the weird girl like she has she's a chronic liar or something or she can't help herself, mm-hmm. which is she's like the funniest part of that kind of like the comic relief, but it really does break down the characters into human beings and you see the ins and outs and what's going on at home and why they're acting the way they are. And it's, it's fascinating to listen to just right, yeah. an, a very incredible scene. There's another great scene as well. And when, when he's imitating Brian's like home life about like how him and his father going fishing and like, like, yeah, dad. And like, and then he's like, oh, you want to know what my life is? And then he's like talking about like the abusive life that he has at home. It's it's actually like pretty dark and yeah, it's depressing. And I like, go bowling. The, the, yeah. Sure. That, that, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you don't believe me? You want to come over sometime? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. The scenes where, of course, like when uh, Mr. Vernon leaves the library, for instance, that happens a couple times, obviously, but then they're always just, like, going after each other, especially, like, Judd Nelson to Molly Ringwald's character, Emilio Estevez to Judd, like, back and forth, and then he walks in, and all of a sudden, they're just, like, teaming up, like, unspoken words, but they team up right at Mr. Vernon, 
And I just love that. It's just the camaraderie of these polar opposites, but they they band together when they need to, you know? And yeah. that's just, I, I just, that's one of the best parts about this movie. Exactly. And the montages of them running around the halls, that's something I always wanted to do. Just be in school with nobody else and just run the halls. Because they're just walking down the hall, they see Vernon, and then it immediately picks up. That music starts happening, it gets you involved. And then when he has to make the sacrifice and he puts the pot down his pants and he's like, I'll sacrifice it. And he takes off running. I was like, oh, wow, this character is actually not a complete asshole. I also loved the opening of the film, like just the introductions to all the characters, like but just outside mm-hmm. of the all the cars pulling up. And it's like Molly Wienerwald's character. She got caught, what, shoplifting or something? and Or, oh no, she skipped school to she go shopping. She skipped school to go yeah. Sh- yeah. And then, like, the next car pulls up. It's Anthony Michael Halls. And he's just getting belittled by his mother and his, like, little brother in the back going, like, yeah, yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> and, like, he's, like, all, like, he's, you get a sense of the, all the characters. And then you see a wide shot. And then Judd Nelson just walking out of nowhere from, like, the football field just with, you know, just, like, with sunglasses on, just giving no fucks. <laughs> it's just hilarious. And freaking Allison, who just had nothing better to do. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I can't get nothing better to do. And she reveals it <laughs> oh. at the end. Everybody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so weird. That's a great little reveal because you're awesome. like, really? You, you're just here for kicks? And it's like, yeah, basically. Well, That's so funny, though. One way to, you know, make <laughs> friends. One of the moments that stands out to me as far as learning about these characters is when Emilio Estevez or Andy and Allison talk to each other. He just kind of walks up to her and she's like, go away. You don't understand me. And then she like calls him out on his faults. That was it was almost hard to watch the first time I watched it because she calls him out like this weird basket case calls out the jock like that took balls. But it opens up this whole world. Just seeing characters open up is the most rewarding thing. I think there's a there's plenty of coming to age movies that will focus on one specific group of people. Like, it'll focus on the weird people, and it breaks down those people as they go along dealing with, like, the jocks or the popular kids. And this one brings them all together and forces them to work together and learn about each other. And I love the scene where it's Brian's character, and he's like, if I walk to you up in the hall, walk up to you in the hall tomorrow, are you going to acknowledge me? Are you going to, is this going to be a friendship? Because I consider all you guys my friends. And the honesty that comes out of uh, Emilio Estevez and Molly Ringwald's character is so saddening because these people care so much about their image. And then Anthony Michael Hall is like, I wouldn't do that. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, the honesty is so emotional. It's just like, yeah, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. Because some people are just like, but you hate your friends. You hate that you act that way. And she's like, I can't help it. You know, I literally, it's just, I can't help it. It's just how it is. And And I feel like that's why this film is like just remained a cult classic because you could easily remake it and modernize it because I mean, the film is it's very 80s. It's very dated. Some of the stuff. But however, just like some of the same themes completely still like they still apply to today's generation. But I mean, you could doing this movie again in today's generation to be a whole different movie. The themes are still relevant to like what this movie is trying to touch upon in the 80s. And I think that's why this film is still considered a cult classic. Yeah, I feel like now, if they were to make this movie, they would have to throw in all of the stereotypes of today. And I'm just sure. saying this is what I feel would happen. They would have to bring race into it. Oh, sure. Or... Yeah, one of them, Yeah, one of them would be transgender, I'm sure. 
transgender, one of them's African-American, or one of them is from another country or something, they would have to throw that into it to make it somewhat relatable. And I get what you mean with it being a little dated, but this movie, uh, you can't do it. And if, you, if you're going to do it again, don't call it The Breakfast Club. 100%. Yeah, do something different. I gotta say, do you guys have any nitpicks with this movie? Like, there's stuff, like, there's some scenes where it slows down for me, like, with some of the stuff with, like, the, when the uh, principal gets locked in the closet. I mean, sure, that stuff, I guess, is a little slow, but doesn't impact my thoughts at all. I've always felt that Emilio Estevez's character is a little, eh, just, like, I mean, but it's very 80s, though. He's like, ah, oh, you're a numbnuts, and he'll say, like, weird lines like that and stuff, but... <laughs> hey, watch your language. Yeah, just stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> you, so it's like you're acting like kind of a lame jock to me. Like, I feel like, but then again, like jocks aren't supposed to be all that smart. And he says stupid stuff like that. So, I don't know. I just thought he's kind of cringe every once in a while. I think it's a product um, of the '80s for sure. Yeah, so that's that's when, where I can justify it. But it's always bothered me a little bit with his character. One thing that he did say, which I I, I see where you're coming from, right? One hundred percent. But when he brings i'm not gonna say the word but when he brings out the f word yeah and not like the casual one mm-hmm. that's when it got really serious like you, you like you really struck a nerve because he says that and it hits you like a bomb because the movie's been relatively tame as far as how they've talked kind of basic high school lingo swearing at each other but when he says that he emphasizes it and he that like shows how serious he is when you were talking about nitpicks Remember in the when we were talking about the Green Mile, and I said that that one nitpick I had the was shot, the shot where he's standing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of similar. Um, where this one isn't a shot; it's a note, a musical note that I think is too out of place. And it's when um, Andrew's giving his speech about what he did to the kid, and he's talking about the pain and the agony. There's this music that plays behind it that makes it sound scary. And I'm sitting there watching it going, why is this music getting really ominous? That's just something stupid with me. I picked it. I'm like, come on, just keep it sweet. Keep it emotional. But no, you have to make it kind of creepy and dark. I'm, I think I'm just reading too far into this. It yeah, just... but we watch, we watch so many movies and we notice that type of thing where, yeah, you know, that's going to be something that's going to bother cinephiles you know like okay there's this little tiny thing that i wish wasn't there i think we might have talked about a little bit before but do you guys have a favorite moment from this classic like it can be a scene it can be a line it could be something that happened that just you hear you think breakfast club whenever the song just comes on spotify and random playlists i instantly think of breakfast club um but i mean my favorite scene from the movie has to be when they're trying to um hide from their uh, the, the teacher in the hallways and they're just running like it's just an iconic scene and they're just trying to not get caught it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie i don't know if it's my favorite scene but i'll pick a scene that's really good uh it's the one when allison she gets the makeover from Rolly, molly ringwald she comes out anthony michael hall is like his head's down on the desk and he it's looks like up and he's like cliche moment yeah but like <laughs> that's what this movie it's like you like it's it's the quintessential like you can't be like oh that's cliche no this is the fucking breakfast club it's like right there and that's where Emilio Estevez is like, damn, the sexual tension has been building, but you didn't quite know it until now. Um, and that's just like, damn, all right then. She's got something going on. She's still super weird. You can see it. Like, she's still got the quirky, weird shit going on. But, like, she's she's gorgeous in that moment. So that's a good yeah. one, I got to say. Yeah. Uh, 
I yeah, I can agree with both of you on those ones because and th- this movie with it being the like we've said the word quintessential a lot today, but this to me w- one of the top three best coming of age movies ever. But final thoughts, Spencer, you want to uh, give us your final thoughts on this watch of The Breakfast Club? It's 100% 5 out of 5. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I could watch this pretty much anytime, anywhere, and instantly just fall in love with it again. I just love all the characters. They're so well-written and fleshed out. You can relate to anybody from this movie. It's just it's an amazing film. And uh, yeah, definitely one of the best coming-of-age films of all time. I'd agree there. Okay, short and sweet and to the point. Let's hear it, Mainstream Boy. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I, uh, I've i always thought that this film was so interesting because it takes place, it's at high school, it takes place over one probably eight-hour period or so, and you learn so much about these characters, and it just leaves so much up for interpretation at the end. You're like, well, what's going to happen next? You know, this is like their one moment of innocence before life takes over. And I just kind of love the thought that, the thought it gives you in your head of like, yeah, what's going to happen with these guys? I don't know. They're all so different. I, yeah, it's, it, again, it's, it's iconic. It's relatable. The music is amazing. And there's so many moments that it's just like, wow, like this is really going somewhere and you're learning so much about these characters. Yeah, it's a great movie. So five out of five for me as well. Breakfast Club. John Hughes, why not? Whew. It's pretty great. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't have to go ape shit on you guys. I'm going five out of five as well. I, I think it was kind of obvious the way it was coming. It's just one of those perfect movies for me that I can pop on anytime and you just, it hits you in the feels. Of course. You have a good time watching it because you love these characters. They're so out there, but they follow the stereotypes to a T. But seeing them kind of come together slowly, they it's not just dramatic, oh, this happens, oh, you're automatically my best friend. They slowly open up to each other and that's what really makes it awesome it's the moments of quiet conversation that really shine for these characters and so i'm backing you guys up five out of five for me but this is collector's corner we talk about physical media do you guys want to get a little more physical oh you know what time to get physical because Criterion usually uh, adds some special features, and this is spine number 905 in the Criterion collection. But this has a ton of special features. It's got over 50 minutes worth of deleted scenes and extras. So stuff that, if it was in there, it could probably tie some things up. Um, A lot of stuff in the bathroom with the girls talking, different shots of all of the characters walking in um, because in the movie you really only see Judd Nelson where he kind of knocks all the stuff off the table and he takes that little notepad but so many interviews with all of them and you just learn about how they got there and like how Judd Nelson was the oldest um, and he's so different his character like his character is a, a dirtbag but he's actually like a sophisticated or was at the time a super sophisticated actor, which I didn't know. I didn't know that he went to like a New York film Academy, but it talked a lot about John Hughes and how he is with collaboration. He's a, he very open. And I think you need that with this type of movie because you're dealing with young talent. And so having a director that is open to anything, that was really nice to see, but I would definitely recommend 
picking up this edition of it. I know John has the basic Blu-ray version, so I'm kind of disappointed. No, well, you know, and there's a few things on here. It's, uh, I think, I mean, again, I, I didn't get a chance to look at them, but I, it looks like there's a, uh, a short documentary. It says a 12-part documentary, so there's something there. Um, but it doesn't mm-hmm. look like any deleted scenes or the stuff that you're talking about. But yeah, it's super basic. It's even, like, I can tell this is an old one, probably from, like, the mid-2000s or something, too, even just by the DVD menu or the Blu-ray menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would definitely recommend getting something like like what you have, the Criterion. If you really are in love with this film, yeah, just just find the Criterion because this isn't quite uh, good enough for this specific yeah. film. It, yeah, it deserves I, something else. I own so many Blu-rays, and when I had to go and watch this movie this week, I went to my shelf and I was like, wait, where the fuck's Breakfast Club? I don't own this movie, so I ended up watching it on Peacock with ads. I don't recommend oh my God. Oh, watching it that way. Well, yeah, wow. I've seen the movie so many times, it didn't bother me, so I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, watch it on here. And it was actually only like four ads in total, and they were less than 30 seconds, so it, it wasn't Peacock too, too plug bad. here, by the way. Yeah, no, go don't use Peacock. <laughs> but no, I mean, this is one of those movies where I'm like, I, I thought that I owned, and I was surprised that I didn't, so absolutely, I am going to pick this up on Criterion, because that's the edition that I want. I guarantee it'll probably be one of those titles that'll be announced as out of print in the next couple of years, so I probably should get it <laughs> sometime soon. God, because uh, I don't want that to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially with you saying there's so much special features on it, and like they're like hour-long featurettes and all that kind of stuff. I definitely want to get this one, especially because I love it so much. It just feels yeah, good there's... to hold a Blu-ray in my hand because it's been so long <laughs> since I've bought this, and taking the perforated plastic off of this. And just opening it up and sniffing it and smelling it and tasting it and putting it in my Xbox was just an experience that I've truly missed since we did Arrival because I did own that. There's there's no better sound than... Oh, just... And it comes with a sick booklet that just... It's everything you could want in a Breakfast Club like collector's edition. There's a cool thing where Judd Nelson reads the notes from John Hughes about it. And so how characters are represented by different colors and just you kind of you learn how his mind worked. And they said he was basically the sixth member of the Breakfast Club. So that was really cool to see. But if you guys are interested in picking up the Breakfast Club, I would suggest picking up the Criterion Collection Edition. But um, not everyone is into that. So by all means, go for the basic Blu-ray or DVD, whoever. Collect physical media. That's what this is all about. But yeah, that kind of does it for episode 10, The Breakfast Club by John Hughes. That was me this week. But I'm gonna throw it to uh, throw it to Spencer because it's his week next week, and I'm very intrigued to see what he's gonna throw at us. Take it away. What do you got for us, Ducky? Yeah. So this is a Blu-ray, and I have seen let's see, probably a little over an hour of this movie, but for some reason, I never got around to finishing it. So finally, this will be a movie I can say I've finally seen. Now it's one of those films where if you go to Letterbox and filter it through, like popularity it's in like the front page and it's one of those titles i still have not seen so i'm like okay i need to fucking go and watch this um nate i believe you've seen it john i don't think you've seen it but this is alfred hitchcock's vertigo um mm-hmm. i need to finally wow. sit through this movie all the way Alrighty. through because from what i've seen so far 
I think it's awesome, and I just definitely want to finally say that I've seen this film. And there's a lot of special features, including an audio commentary track from William Freakin, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There could be some cool stuff to be learned about this one, and I just got to see it. So vertigo. That does it for episode 10 of Collector's Coroner. Uh, we thank you for listening, but we do a couple other shows that you might want to listen to if, Spencer, you want to pique their interest with one of our shows that we do yeah we got the tmd main show we talk about three critically acclaimed films that we've never seen before we just put out a poll over the past weekend and we got some new films that we're gonna be talking about the river wild don't know much about that but we're gonna be talking about it tombstone and obviously say anything another 80s or yeah another 80s coming of age kind of comedy so but you still got a little while to for that episode to come out i think it comes out march 27th so next saturday but we do have another show called Mainstream Boys, where typically me and Spencer will get together on a weekly basis every Monday and review the new release films of the week. Uh, coming up this week, actually, we are watching the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, a four-hour cut that I feel like people have been asking for for like four years now. So I'm looking forward and curious to see uh, how well that turns out. Grab a big bucket of popcorn, some ice-cold cherry Coke, some snow caps potentially take her pants off put her feet up and watch bella thorne movies so come over to mainstream boys every monday nate on that note i thank you all for listening and as always stay physical let's get physical mm-hmm.